Hey friends, this is Andrew, and you're listening to the Mountain Park Church Podcast. We're in the middle of this series called Foundations, and it's called Foundations because we believe these things are foundational in the life of a follower of Jesus. This category of spiritual gifts, 1 Corinthians 12, 13 and 14, Romans 12, Ephesians chapter 4, this category is not for the advanced and mature spiritually. This category is like baseline, foundational for what it means to walk in step with the Spirit. And a part of this life is the expression of God's character and his nature through the miraculous, through this loose, and it's a very loose category because it's not a scriptural category per se. Paul doesn't put these into categories, but this loose category we're calling power gifts. I wanna remind you again that um, Paul uses different words at different times to express what he's talking about. Sometimes he talks about gifts, service, helps, um, manifestations. I think these are all tied up under this term manifestations, meaning these are expressions of the very heart, presence, and nature of God himself. So how do we walk in step with these things? How do we recognize when God is wanting to move through us, to express himself through us in ways that are powerful, supernaturally powerful? This morning, and uh, well, not this morning because it was a little while ago, but in this podcast, Pastor Brenda is gonna be talking about the gifts of healings that Paul talks about. How do we know God wants to heal? What are some of the ways that maybe actually in our own body, we can uh, be alerted to the fact that God may be wanting us to be a conduit for healing in others. And again, I just, I just wanna remind you, God communicates to us through our bodies, through our senses, our senses are created by God. They're his design, his idea. They're created by him, not just to communicate with the world around us, but to communicate with him, to communicate with the supernatural realm, uh, both the angelic side and it's the way the demonic communicate as well through these same, same mediums. And so um, the kind of, thing that we're gonna get into today and that Pastor Brenda does is how sometimes we can be alerted to the reality that God wants to express his power through us in healings. As we've been in this series on the Holy Spirit, we recognize that Many of you in this place come from a variety of different backgrounds that we have some of you here who come from a Pentecostal or a word of faith or charismatic sort of background. And some of us 
um, have come from a more traditional background. And maybe growing up in church, you never even really heard about the Holy Spirit at all. Like you kind of knew he was there in the background. You knew about the Trinity, but you didn't hear teaching about the gifts of the Spirit and how the Spirit moves today. Some of you may even come from a background where you were taught that the gifts are not for today that they sort of ended with the apostles in the launch of the early church and that, that that power and presence is not available to us today. And so we just recognize that we come from a variety of different places and backgrounds and teachings. And so the, one of the reasons we called this series Foundations is because the Holy Spirit is a foundational part of our everyday life. And we really need to lean into this and into good teaching as a part of our everyday experience with God and walking with the Holy Spirit. And I want to just um, flip back. I know not all of you were here, but a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Andrew preached a message where he was breaking down the words filling and baptism and where they appear in the New Testament. And he made a statement that he later clarified on the podcast. But I know that if you were here, you probably didn't go back to listen to the podcast. And so I just wanted to sort of clarify what was on there. And just as a note, he often does add content to the podcast. So when you go on and listen, he'll say, hey, I never got this far. I wanted to say this, but I didn't say it. So he adds content into the podcast. But for those of you who didn't hear that, I just wanted to clarify this openly and with you today. Uh, Pastor Andrew was talking specifically about the gifts and the manifestation of the Holy Spirit in power. And he mentioned that that, that power is temporary, that it fills us for a temporarily for a purpose. That was something that he said in the message. But that's not the totality of how the Holy Spirit works. And we heard a few conversations and questions after that about how the Holy Spirit works, because that's not the whole picture. That's part of the picture. And I would say that it is clear in scripture, as many of you brought to our attention, that there is an abiding and residing presence of the Holy Spirit that lives with us and dwells in us, that is always with us, there to help us and to guide us in our lives. But there is also a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. We are called to... Um, you know, continually come back and ask for a fresh filling from the Holy Spirit. And when he chooses to manifest his gifts, when he chooses to work in a powerful way, you bet you need a fresh filling of his Holy Spirit for that. And we can rest assured that he's going to come with all of his power and help us deliver whatever it is that he wants to do here in the body together and as we're out in our lives as well. I don't believe that the gifts are just for here inside of the four walls of the church. I actually believe the gifts are meant to flow through our lives every single day as we interact with people. We need the gift of faith and we need wisdom and knowledge beyond what we can understand to step into people's lives. And we need gifts like miracles and healings to help people see the glory of the God that we serve. We need the gifts in operation every day in our lives. It's not just for when we come here into the church. And there is an abiding and residing presence of God that lives with us. The Holy Spirit is our helper who was promised to us by Jesus in John 4, 16 and 17. 
Jesus said, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because he neither, they neither see him or know him, but you know him and he lives with you and will be in you. What a great promise we had from Jesus that the helper who was going to come when we surrender our lives to Jesus, the Holy Spirit seals us. That's Ephesians. I'm going to fly through some scriptures here. If you're taking notes, you'll have to go fast. Ephesians 1.14 and 2 Corinthians 1.22. He says he enters us and joined us into the body of Christ. That's 1 Corinthians 12. He is always present with us forever. We just read that. And he lives and dwells in us through faith, which we just read in John, but is also seen in Romans 8 and 1 Corinthians 3. And I'm, the reason I'm giving you all of that is because I want you to actually go and look this up for yourself. I don't want you to take my word for it. I actually don't want you to take the word of anyone who stands on this stage. We are fallible human beings, and we do our best to present the word to you as we can, but you should be studying this out for yourself in the Bible. You should be looking in the word to know what the Holy Spirit is for you and how he wants to fill you and what he wants to do in your life. You should be looking to, to find out about this. Don't wait for us to tell you about the gifts. We might never get to all of them at the rate this series is going, but you can look it up for yourself and learn and study these things for yourself. So the abiding presence and help of the Holy Spirit does not come and go from our lives. I just want to make that really clear. He is consistent and faithful and always present in us, but he will also at times... Fill us uniquely for a specific purpose, using a gift of grace to edify the body around us. Does that make sense? We caught you up on that. Good thing. The most important thing when it comes to moving and operating in the Holy Spirit and to being um, available for his gifting is to have an open posture and an open heart so that his power and gifting can flow through us. So I have to be sure that my heart is a space that is prepared for the Holy Spirit to be able to use me. I remember um, Pastor Alex isn't in the service right now, but he would, he would join in me with this and have a good laugh if he was here. Um, a couple of years ago, him and I were at a conference with a fellow named Terry Wardle, who is an incredible uh, pastor and speaker, and we were listening to him, and I loved his style because he didn't, he, he didn't mind ruffling feathers. He would say sometimes the most offensive things, and then he would just walk away and keep preaching, and we'd all be like, what? Whoa. Okay, so he's up there, and he says, do you, um, have you, if you grew up in Pentecost— or Pentecostal circles, you probably heard this teaching growing up, that the Holy Spirit is sort of like a tool belt. And you've got this, this tool belt with all the tools that you need to do ministry. And you could pull out whatever tool you need. Maybe today you need a screwdriver, or you need a hammer, or whatever. Those aren't actually the tools of the Holy Spirit. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are a little different. But you would be able to pull out what you need in any given circumstance. How many of you have heard that teaching? A few of you, a few of you grew up in the same kind of Pentecostal church as I did. So Terry Wardle says this, and Alex and I are looking at each other laughing. Alex is like, I've totally preached that message before. I'm like, yeah, I know. And he goes, hogwash. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. 
you're the tool and God is sharpening you so that he can pull you out and use you whenever he wants to. We're both like, what? You're right. That's exactly right. And I feel like sometimes we get this teaching of the gifts all backwards. It's like it's something that we muster up or we use or we pull out when we want to. But God's saying, no, I want you to be open and prepared and surrendered to me so that when I see someone who needs you, I can step in and bring them what they need through your life. I want your life to be a space that is prepared for my presence at all times. That's our first and foremost job when it comes to working with the Holy Spirit. So my question of the day would be, am I open to how the Spirit would like to move in my life at any given moment? Am I open to the Spirit? Am I open and receptive to what He wants to do? Is my life and my heart a space that is prepared and ready for Him to flow through me and touch someone else? Or... Am I closed to the Spirit? Am I closed off to what He actually wants to do? And there are actually a few ways that we could be closed to the Spirit. Sometimes we're closed to the Spirit through sin and rebellion. When we are not doing what we know to do to the best of our ability, we actually close off our lives to the Holy Spirit. When we are operating in areas of sin and we know better and we know we keep going back to it, we're closing the door to the Holy Spirit to be able to flow through us in a natural way. Another way that we are closed to the Holy Spirit is our desire for control. The idea of complete surrender is scary to some of you. You like to be in control. You don't wanna let someone else run the show. And you've probably seen some weird things that people have done in church in the name of God, under the power of the Holy Spirit. And you thought, I don't want to be like that. I've been there. I'm going to talk more about that today. But if you always want to be in control and you always want to know exactly what's going to happen, you're going to be closed to how the Spirit wants to move in your life. And my challenge to you today if you feel that way, if you feel like, I don't want to be out of control. I don't, I, you know, I don't want to be weird. I like it right over here, managing my life just the way it is. Can I, can I challenge you with a thought this morning? I think that you just have no idea how good God actually is. Because if you did, you would have no problem surrendering to him and allowing him to work in your life however he feels fit because he is good and he is better than you could ever imagine and his way of managing your life his way of working in you is going to be far better than what you ever come up with on your own another way that we are closed to the Holy Spirit is a lack of good teaching so like I was saying in the beginning, if you grew up in a church that never talked about the Holy Spirit, you might not have the basis in your life of teaching to understand how he works and how to be able to work in unison with him. And so we can be close to the Spirit just because we haven't had good teaching and we haven't understood the proper way the Spirit wants to work in our lives. And the last one that I have here, a way that we are close to the Spirit often is because of fear. We're afraid of people. We're afraid of what people will think of us. 
We're afraid of failure. We're afraid to get it wrong. We're afraid that we're going to say something to someone and it's totally just going to flop and you're, you're going to be out there on a limb like, I feel like God told me to tell you this. And they're like, no, actually that doesn't resonate with me. Okay. All right. Sorry. Do you know what? Can I just tell you this? If you're going to try operating in the gifts of the Spirit and try to let the Holy Spirit flow through you, it is always going to be scary. You're never going to be completely sure, but you have to have a little bit of faith to go out on a limb and trust that even if you get it wrong, God's got you. And he will continue to keep trying to work in your life. He never picked perfect people. You can look at scripture. The people who God was moving through and working through, they were broken and messed up people. They made bigger mistakes than you've probably made. Bigger sins in your life than you have. But God still chooses to use us. Broken vessels and all. He still chooses to use us. So we have to get over our fear if we want to be open to the Spirit. Otherwise, we just, we close that down, right? And I feel like this is the most important thing when it comes to operating in the Holy Spirit and understanding how He wants to move and work in our lives is being open. Being open, being receptive to how He wants to speak and move. Because if we're not, He's not going to come barging into our life and force His way in. We have to be open and invitational and waiting and ready. So I want to share today a little bit of a story of how um, I opened up to something that I was very closed to and how the Holy Spirit began to move and work in my life in a particular way in the gifts of healing. And I say that very specifically. We often call it the gift of healing. In scripture, it is gifts of healings. It is multiple ways that God wants to work and move and heal in the lives of his people. And I grew up in a more uh, Pentecostal or, or charismatic sort of environment where the gifts of the Spirit were flowing all of the time. So from the time I was a very young, young girl, or some of my earliest memories are of being in church and and being in atmospheres where there was prayer meetings and like the 70s kind of camp meeting revival kind of church that I grew up in. And my parents were brand new Christians. And they, my dad became a pastor really quickly, but um, when I was about five, but they just became uh, Christians just before I was born. So they were like so hungry. If there was like a revival meeting or a camp meeting within a driving radius, we were there Friday nights, Saturday nights, Sunday nights till 11 o'clock. It was like a crazy time and they were learning and growing in the things of God. And, and there was people around us who were operating in the gifts of the spirit all of the time. If there was a traveling ministry coming to town, we were there. We were taking everything in. And because of that, because I was exposed to so much of that as a young child, I began to really quickly be able to discern, like, this is good and this is not. <laughs> this, is, this is good. I like this person. I, and that was all I knew at a young age. I like this person. I like who they are. I can receive from them. Or nope, I'm running the other way. <laughs> I'm not listening to anything they're saying because there's something off, right? It was just this on or off, open or closed kind of thing with me. And when I was about um, 11, I started to have epileptic seizures. And I just remember it as passing out. Um, the first one happened in a Ponderosa. Does anyone remember Ponderosa? Am I dating myself? I used to love Ponderosa as a little girl, I'll be honest. 
And it was embarrassing. I, rem I just remember my dad picking me up and we were walking out the back door when I was coming to. Um, once it happened at a friend's house. And so I went through the testing to find out that I was, uh, at the time they said borderline ep epileptic. So there was enough activity there that they wanted to put me on medication. So my parents did. But the medication that I was on for about a year made me, um, my mom would say like a zombie. Like I would just kind of go to my room. I didn't play with anybody. And she hated that. She hated watching her child like that, right? We can all relate. So my parents were seeking healing. They knew about the gifts of the Spirit. This was part of their life. They were taking me to every camp meeting. I was prayed for by every traveling ministry that came to town. And like I said, some of them I was receptive to and some of them I wasn't because I didn't like the way that they moved and operated. But God in his mercy healed me. And I suffered from those seizures for about a year, went on medication for about a year. And then my parents felt like it was time to take me off and I've never had a symptom since. And I am not an advocate, just listen to me for a minute. I am not an advocate for taking people off of medication. Medication can help with a lot of things. And so I don't recommend that but they felt like I, was, I had been healed and that it was time that God was prompting them to take me off of that. And I do praise God for that healing every single day. And after that, I had a heart for people who needed physical healing. Even when I'm driving down the street, if I see someone walking down the street who's limping or there's some sort of physical obvious ailment, my heart is like, oh God, that is not how you intended things to be. And I've always been drawn towards that as an area that I know the Holy Spirit works and wants to work in people's lives. And so the desire was always there. And when I got more into ministry later in life, I was like, God, I know you want to heal people and I'll always pray for people for healing. But that gift of healing is something special. And so I was always sort of... Uh, thinking about, I guess, and moving in that, but I was actually very closed because I had been uh, offended, if I can be honest, by some of the traveling ministries that I had seen. I was offended by people who would ask for money to put a handkerchief in the mail to send to you if you were sick. I was offended that people would pick this up as their identity can I just say something to you this morning in love and in, in, in gentleness and in love, I wanna say this, but it's a point of correction that the church needs as a whole. The gifts are not your identity. And I don't believe that I can stand up and say, I'm a healer. No, God is the healer. The Holy Spirit will come with his gifts of healing and mercy for people, but that is not my identity. Sometimes he chooses to use me in that way and I'm grateful for it, but that's not who I am. Who I am is a child of God. And I, I aim to have my heart and my life as a space that is prepared for him to move and work however he wants to. And sometimes he chooses to do that through healing, but that's not who I am. And if God moves in your life in the way of prophecy sometimes, I love you, but that's not who you are. It is a gift God chooses to use in your life. We need to be right about this. And I had seen this wrong so many times, I wanted nothing to do with it. Until Mark and I went um, probably about five years ago to a meeting in Pennsylvania. Um, and Christine Kane was there. 
and she was doing revival nights. She had these nights booked, night after night after night. She was traveling from church to church. And I said, hey, it's close. It's driving distance. Why don't we go see Christine Kane? She's a big name and be fun to go and do that for a night. So we did. And I thought it was going to be like, like, yay, preaching, revival. Woo, okay, we'll go home. She came out onto the stage and just very gently began to say, hey, this isn't weird, but you know, sometimes the Holy Spirit moves in my life this way. And she began to give these words of things that God had shown her and people were standing up and getting healed all over the place. And I was like, whoa. I was like, wait a sec. God, this is so beautiful. And she cares about the people and this is so real. And in that auditorium that day, I opened up my heart and I prayed this little prayer for the first time in my life. I opened myself to this area of gifting of the spirit in healing. And under my breath, I just whispered, God, that looks real to me. And if you want to move in my life in that way, you can. I'm open to that. And I left that meeting. And it was, I didn't really think about it much again after I prayed that little prayer. But about a year later, I was standing in the front row here. And I felt this tight, warm um, sensation is all I can say on my arm. And it felt like it got really tight and then it released. And I was like, oh, that's weird. Like what's going on with my arm? I'm like, okay, maybe I raised it too much during worship. I was just like, that's weird. Kind of tried to shake it off and it happened again. And then I was like, hold up a sec, wait. This feels like the Holy Spirit. And then my heart started to pound a little bit like it does when the Holy Spirit's moving. And I was like, blood pressure cuff. Someone has a problem with their blood pressure because that's exactly what it felt like on my arm. So I was like, oh no, I'm scared. What do I do? Honestly, I was scared. I didn't know what to do. And I wrestled with God for probably like a whole song or two. Just like, I'm not sure. Can you make me really sure? Like, I don't know what else he needed to do to make me really sure. But I finally got up actually Pastor Andrew was on the guitar and I didn't, I'd never done this before. I didn't want to step out and do it without his blessing. So I snuck up the stairs here and I went to him on the guitar. He was probably really annoyed. Um, and I'm like, hey, hey, oh, I, I think I have a word for someone to be healed. And he was like, okay, like, go, like do it. I was like, okay, okay, I will. So I came out here and I shared that word and we prayed for some people. I actually don't know what happened after that. All I know is that I was faithful to do what I felt like God was asking me to do. And since then, that has been a fairly regular thing that he has done in my life. That I'll feel a warmth or, or sort of sensation in my body. And I know, and this is where the, the, the gifts are kind of coupled together because I have a knowledge, I know what the injury is, or I know what has happened, or I know exactly what it feels like more often in the person's body. And I can explain exactly what it feels like if you're the one with that injury. We saw that here just a couple of months ago, if you remember, um, I came up and there was three, three specific ones that I had. We know that two people were healed in that meeting because of the specific things that we brought up that day and we prayed for them. And so God uses this gift. I, I, I can't explain it any better than that. I hope that helps you understand how it moves in my life. But 
I, I want you to hear what I'm trying to say this morning. I was close to it for 45 years of my life. And when I prayed a simple prayer, God, that looks real to me. I'm open to that. If you wanted to move in my life in that way, he did. And he continues to. And even though, like I said, he does use my life in a way of healing sometimes, that's not my identity. That's not who I am. I'm just like you. I'm scared. When I'm, when I'm standing there and I, I'm, I'm like, really, God, today, sometimes I'm like that. I'm like, really, today? Like, I don't know this. I don't know. But here's what I do know. That the outcome is not up to me. The outcome is up to God. It's my responsibility to be faithful with what he gives me or asks me to do. And it's his responsibility to actually do the healing, not mine. And so if I'm faithful in the gift, if I'm faithful to respond, if I'm faithful to prepare my life to be open, God will do the rest and I can leave it up to him. And so... I aim to have my life as a space that's prepared and my heart as a space that's prepared for God to be able to flow and to use those gifts, all of the gifts in my life when he chooses to and when it would be helpful and useful to the body around me. Sometimes I just wanted to mention this too because gifts that often go hand in hand with healing is also the gift of faith. Sometimes people have just a supernatural faith that a healing is going to happen. And that couples together with that. I don't have that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't feel like I've ever had that supernatural. Like I just know this is going to happen. I, except for one time in my life was when my son was born. And there was a few complications near the end. And he had to be born by an emergency C-section. And I remember the first question I asked was, what color is his hair? And the doctor looked at me like, you should be asking if your child is alive. And I was like, no, no, no. Like God and I are good. Like I know he was going to be fine. I just wanted to know what color his hair was. But I had the faith for that because I had been praying into that. And I had faith for him to be well throughout my entire pregnancy. That's the only time I remember having that gift. So faith doesn't always go along with healing for me. It seems to be more the, the maybe wisdom wisdom or knowledge that will go along together with the healing. But God often works coupling these gifts together. And so it's just, just a little learning on how he works and wants to work through his spirit. We have to remember that the gifts of the spirit are always meant to encourage and edify others. They're not our gifts. We don't own them. They're the Holy Spirit's gifts. And he chooses to work in and through us in order to edify and encourage other people, to bring healing to other people. The gift of healing is not for me. I, got, I was healed through someone else's ministry, through the gift flowing through someone else's life. And others are healed when it flows through my life. So I have to be courageous to respond when the Holy Spirit speaks to me, but I'm not courageous for me. I get nothing out of this. I might, it could be humiliation for me. Who knows? I don't know, right? There's always that fear that you're going to get up and share something and it's just going to be crickets and everyone's going to go, nope, not me, not me, not me, right? It's not about me. I'm not courageous for me. I'm courageous for you because if God gives me a word like that, I want to be bold enough and brave enough to stand up and share it for your sake, not mine. There's no glory in this for me. 
to be a conduit for the Spirit to flow. But man, when I see him work and move in someone else's life, that is all the satisfaction that I need. Just let me catch up here. So the gifts of the Spirit are expressions of God's love manifested to his people. It's one of the very beautiful and powerful ways that heaven invades earth. And we experience little glimpses of the beauty and the glory and the power of all of heaven's kingdom. It invades our world through the gifts of the Spirit. It comes into our lives through those who are surrendered to him. And we experience renewal and restoration through the gifts of the Spirit. What was wrong is set right when he chooses to use us as willing vessels and the conduits through which his power can flow. It's not something to be proud of or puff ourselves up about. It's actually something that brings us to our knees in humility, that God would choose to use us as broken and messed up as we are, that he chooses to use us to bring blessing to his people. That is a beautiful thing and it is very humbling. I want to chat for the next few minutes about some thoughts on healing in general. Because I know that this can be a little bit of a touchy subject in the church because we have all seen and had different experiences with healing. And I wanna say this before I kind of jump into this. I was healed as a young girl but that doesn't mean that there's never been anything else wrong with me in my life. And I've had other ailments and things in my body that I felt I needed physical healing for that God did not choose to heal me for, from. I don't know why. I don't know why that happens. But I wanna give you today a little bit of framework to get our thoughts around this because we can jump all over the place in, in this because there's a lot actually of stories and teaching of healing in the Bible. And we could probably jump all over the place. I'm gonna give you what I can today to give us a little bit of a framework to bring our thoughts around when it comes to the topic of healing. Is that okay? All right. So we know that healing is present throughout the Old and New Testament. The entire Bible talks about physical healing. And in fact, the very first physical healing happens in Genesis 20 when Abraham prays for Abimelech and he is healed. And then we see healings with the nation of the Israelites. We see healings through the Old Testament prophets. If you think of a story like Elisha and Naaman when he was healed of leprosy. And then Jesus comes on the scene and we see a flurry of healings that happen in a variety of different ways. Often it never happens the same way twice. Jesus is healing people in, you know, he, he, the woman who touched the hem of his garment was one thing. He laid hands on people. Some people he healed, he wasn't even in their presence, right? A parent comes, is, uh, wants prayer for their child. He says, go home, they're gonna be fine. He's not even in the same room with those people. So he put mud on a guy's eyes to heal blindness. It was always something different that was happening in Jesus' ministry, but he was healing a lot of people. And then we know that he committed 
commissioned his disciples to have power from on high to heal the sick and do a multitude of other things that are the fullness of the kingdom of God. But healing the sick was part of that package for Jesus' disciples. And it is still part of the package for us today. We are called, even if the gift of healing is not present, to pray for healing. We are called to ask for it and pray for it. And so it is part of what God wants to do. That is super clear throughout the entire Bible. But it is also clear through the Bible and through our own experience that not everyone is healed. And we all know this because we've all prayed for someone we love and they did not get healed. We've all been there. And it causes us sometimes to question God, if healing is, is from you, if it's something you commissioned your church to do, if it's something that you actually desire and your compassion is moved towards that, then why do people not get healed? We have examples in the Bible of people. Paul's thorn in the flesh is probably the most common one that is referred to. Paul, the apostle who's who literally was the story in the Bible where they were taking handkerchiefs and aprons and sending them out to people to be healed by them, himself was not healed from an ailment of some sort. So it's impossible for me to jump to the conclusion with that story alone that healing is always the will of God in every situation. I believe it's his compassion for his people to make right what was wrong and to redeem our brokenness. But apparently it's not always his will in every situation. Paul also had two friends, Timothy and Epaphroditus, which is a terrible name for a child, by the way. Um, but <laughs> Timothy's, Timothy, uh, in 1 Timothy 5.23, we see that he has ongoing stomach issues. That's a type of infirmity. A frequent thing that keeps coming back on him that Paul was not able or did not heal. And uh, this fellow Epaphroditus um, is mentioned in Philippians. He's the one who actually took Paul's letter to the Philippians. And it says about him, my brother, fellow worker and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger and ministered to my needs, was sick almost to the point of death, but God had mercy on him and he recovered. So he wasn't healed, but he did recover from a very severe illness. But these are three people who are popular Bible figures who were not healed. And we, like I said, we know this from our own experience. So how do we frame this in a healthy way? How do we frame our thoughts around this idea of healing in a way that is healthy, that we can keep walking forward and keep believing God for what he wants to do? Well, first, I don't think that we can make theological assumptions or draw specific conclusions about God based solely on our experience. We have to bring it back to scripture. And scripture is clear from beginning to end that God heals. So just because I prayed and God didn't heal, we can go down a rabbit hole in our thoughts of believing that maybe God isn't good, that maybe he isn't merciful or compassionate as he says he is, that maybe he doesn't care about me. He would heal everyone else, but he doesn't care about me. Or we may draw the conclusion that he doesn't heal today or that healing is not ever his will. 
And the worst of all cases, and where I've seen this go desperately wrong in the church, is when we take the onus on us and say, well, you didn't have enough faith. Can I just say something about that for a second? That is one of the most cruel things that you could say to a believer. Did Paul not have enough faith? It's heartbreaking to me that these kinds of things happen in the church. I'm probably not the only one who's heard someone say that before. Jesus said it doesn't take a lot of faith. It only takes a little bit. And he's willing to meet us in that. But for whatever reason, sometimes he doesn't. Now, I'm not about to tell anyone they don't have enough faith. I'm willing to stand and believe with you and persist. Sometimes we need to come back to the throne over and over and over. Sometimes God chooses to heal in different ways. And sometimes we will not receive our healing until we walk through the doors of heaven. But let me tell you, in the end, everything will be made right, whether we understand it or not. Healing does appear to be tied to some key things throughout the biblical narratives. Sometimes these things are factors, but not always. Sometimes faith is a factor. Jesus did say to certain people, your faith has made you whole. So faith is a factor, but it's not always the reason that people didn't get healed. Sin seems to be a factor in the biblical narrative, and we're going to read a scripture in a few minutes. Um, I think it's further along in my notes uh, f- about how we're called as elders to pray for the sick. And it talks about confessing your, fin- your sins to be healed. And so there's something about community. There's something about not holding bitterness and confessing to one another that is healing, but not always. And then there are certain instances where Jesus healed somebody by casting out a spirit. So there could be a demonic thing, but not always. And so our problem is when we make things absolute, we read one story in the Bible and we make that our absolute gospel or belief about a certain thing that it always goes this way. My heart would be that if you need healing, we would pray together and discern if one of these things was a factor to blocking the gift of healing or healing flowing in your life. If, I'm not saying it is, but there is a possibility that one of those three, three things, confessing your sin, uh, having faith or demonic activity could be part of the problem. But that's not how it always is. Friends, we live in a very broken world. It has been broken by sin. And unfortunately, our bodies are subject to decay and death. And I know in heaven, we will get a new and redeemed body because these bodies were not meant to last forever. And all my friends over 50 said, amen. We were out the other night with some friends and you know, for several minutes of conversation, it was all about the aches and pains and the noises our bodies make when we get out of bed in the morning. Our bodies were not meant to last forever. I received a healing at a young age and it has helped me in my life, but I'm still going to die one day. That is just part of what happens. 
And so sometimes sickness is just part of being in a fallen world. Unfortunately, it is just part of what happens. And so while we have those other factors to consider, sometimes we just go, we've prayed through those things, we've discerned through them, and maybe this is just an illness. The effects of a broken world. Friends, it's a slippery slope to try to put God in a box, to try to understand everything about him, to try to say it works this way and only this way. We can't do that. And specifically, we cannot do that with this idea of healing. John Thompson said it this way, supernatural healing is available, but not guaranteed on this side of eternity. While I believe it is a ministry that God loves to do and a mercy he loves to have on his children, it doesn't always happen and we have to hold this intention. God does not promise us healing, but he does promise us something very beautiful. And I wanna share this scripture with you from Hebrews 4, 15 and 16. This is so comforting to me. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. What peace this scripture gives us and what a perfect anchoring point of our faith we find here. Friends, there is a throne of grace from which the world is ruled. And the one who sits on that throne loves to give his followers what they do not deserve. Grace and mercy in their time of need. And that is for good times as much as it is for bad times. We can come to the throne of grace and ask for the mercy that we need to be healed or to endure the suffering. Paul was not healed, but God gave him strength to endure. And whatever it is that we need at this moment, God will give it to us. That is his promise. He has grace for us when we are in need. Sometimes his grace, sometimes that mercy is stirred to give us the healing that we want. But sometimes it is a covering and a walking with us in the suffering that you will never know if you didn't walk through the suffering. And I can stand here today and tell you that God has taught me more in my times of suffering and weakness than he ever has in my times of victory and the things that he wants to do deeply in our lives we have to give him the space and the opportunity to do that but if we are so narrow-minded that we will only receive from him in one specific way we will miss all of the other things that he wants to do in our life if you need a physical healing today I would come with you to the feet of Jesus and I would pray with you a 
according to scripture. And I would discern with you and I would ask God for your healing. But I would also ask for his grace until you receive it. For his mercy over your life as you're suffering. I don't, I don't know what it is you're going through today. I don't know how hard your situation is. But I know that God is good. That doesn't change. I know that he is a loving, merciful father. That never changes. And he desires for you to come to his throne of grace so he can give you mercy and what you need today, no matter what that is. Grace and mercy for the worst and the best of what life has to offer. He doesn't always give us what we want, but he will always give us what we need. He doesn't always remove our pain, but he always walks with us through it. Suffering, sickness, and death are still a part of the human experience. No one is promised a perfect or pain-free life. And trust me, no one gets one. But my heart will never stop aching to see the power of God revealed in this broken world. To sense his mercy in the midst of our suffering and bringing redemptive healing of all kinds. That's just the compassionate heart of the Father. And it's our calling to pick that up and carry it with him. To look at those in need and have mercy. And to appeal to the God of mercy on their behalf. So if we need healing in this place, we will pray according to scripture. James 5.14 tells us, Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. There's that piece of scripture. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So I will continue to pray for people who need healing. And I will continue to anoint them with oil as I'm called to do in scripture. And I will continue to discern if there are any blocks to healing as we discussed earlier in the message. And if that all fails, I will persist in prayer with you and believe for God to have mercy on you while you wait. I will continue to look for the goodness of God in the middle of this suffering. I will continue to look for glimpses of his glory and his power revealed in different ways. Maybe not what we expected, maybe not what we wanted, but way more than we deserve. Paul was not healed. God did not reveal that mercy to Paul, but he did reveal his strength to him in ways he could not have otherwise understood. And many of you who have walked through suffering in this place are nodding your heads in agreement with me today that there are things we learn in those moments. There's a way that we lean into God in those moments that teaches us things we don't learn on the mountaintops. And I will stand and rejoice with you when we are finally all made whole together in heaven. And every day I want to continue to surrender my life to the work the Spirit wants to do. As scary as it is, as unknown as it is, I want my life to be a place that's prepared for Him to move 
and work. So in closing, I want to ask you that question today. Is your life a space that is cultivating the presence of God? Is your heart open to what God might want to do in and through you? Or is there any way that you're closed off? That you said, you know, that spiritual stuff is weird. It's, it's un, you know, maybe out of control. I don't know if I want that. Or is your heart open and receptive to everything God would want to do in it and through you to touch other people? If you want that, I want to pray with you today. And there's no pressure, but I'm going to ask you to stand. If you want your life to be a space prepared for the Spirit of God to move through you, that His mercy could touch another human being, I want you to just stand with me right now and I want to pray for you. I'm going to ask you to just put your hands out in front of you maybe with your eyes closed, just your hands out, that posture of receptivity that you're willing to receive from God. God, would you teach us how to prepare our lives to be a space to do whatever it is you want to do in any given moment, in any situation, in any encounter or conversation, in every place of brokenness that needs your grace and redemption, would our hearts be a space cultivated and prepared in such a way that you would choose to move and work through us? That you would see an open door to pour out your gifts of grace within this community and bless your people through us. Jesus, we invite you to blast through our own preconceived ideas, our disappointments and expectations and have your way in our lives. We trust that your ways are better than our ways, that you have more in store for us than we could ever think or imagine that you want to move in ways we haven't yet considered or seen, that you want to do the most incredible things. So God, let our lives be a space for that. Would you teach us how to cultivate that in the quiet moments? How to sit with you in the silence of the morning and wait on your spirit? And would you teach us to be bold and courageous when you do speak to us? In this place where we feel comfortable and out in the world where maybe we don't. And I pray for every person in this place who needs your mercy and compassion today for physical healing. Jesus, I pray that you would pour out your healing over us. I pray that you would meet us in that place of need and that you would minister to those needs this morning. And would you hold us while we wait for the answer? Would you hold us while we wait for that healing? And would you meet us and display your goodness in the middle of our suffering? Would you hold these spaces with us, Jesus? We love you. We bring our whole lives under your covering. Let's pray a blessing on every person in this space today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. <laughs>